Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The weather outside may be frightful, but inside this show, it's no better. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, 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 and ho, 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 Merry Christmas to you all. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, and sometimes just the spirit of the holiday season, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. Hey, I am your host, Brian Levine, and it is Tuesday night, December 23rd, two days before Christmas, and... Hey, it's officially winter time now, so that means the days will be getting longer and uh, spring is coming around the corner. In tonight's show, I'm uh, going to finish up talking about the pipes of my Disney Tabacchiana collection and the history and the research that I did into the pipes. My guest is a pipe smoker and Santa Claus, or pipe smoking Santa Claus collector, Neil Strong. Uh, for entertainment tonight, hey, got a special poem being read by the poet and a little bit of news for you and that. Then we've got a mailbag and instead of ending a Christmas week show with a rant or a rave, I got a celebration of the 100th anniversary of the World War I Christmas truce. So that's all the way at the end of the show. Stick around all the way for that. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, going to get through some mailbag stuff. And I hope everybody is ready for the holidays. I finished up my Christmas shopping today. I've already been um, uh, sniffing around the house looking for gifts that might be coming my way. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but my wife gives me a list. And there's been a long-running gag about me deviating off the list and picking out something that I think she might like. Well, I'll tell you next week how it works out for me on deviating off the list again this year and uh, keeping her confused as to what she's getting. Uh, Nothing major. Nothing major. Don't, Don't go digging into that and I've been teasing her about an $11 million diamond ring, but (laughs) hey, if I had $11 million to spend, uh, we'd have a whole lot more pipes and I'd be broadcasting this show live from uh, Fiji somewhere. But all right, everybody, it's wintertime, so sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. This is Internet Radio. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. 
Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellandDeal.com. Welcome back. All right, in uh, just a few minutes, we'll be talking pipes and pipe-smoking Santa Clauses with Neil. In uh, pipe parts, let's finish up on my Disney pipe collection. Um, In addition to the pipes, let me just say that right now, one of the things I'm trying to expand is my collection of matchbooks because Disney Land and Disney World had, oh, just a ton of different matchbooks for different restaurants and hotels and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Pipe-wise, all right, Disneyland's store, to the best of my knowledge, was more of a traditional pipe shop in that it carried Sheraton, carried Ben Wade pipes, carried un-Disney-marked Meershams. Uh, There's even a photo of it where, from the 1960s, where the shop has probably a two to two and a half foot tall hookah for sale. So they carried all kinds of pipes, including including Medico and Yellow Bowls. I was, it was nice enough that the uh, folks at SM Frank, Bill Feuerbach, gave me, out of their records, original purchase orders that SM Frank had received for K. Woody's and Medicos, or Medicos and Yellow Bowls, and the actual invoices that match up to those from the late 60s, early 70s. So you can see where they're buying actual branded pipes. Uh, The shop at Disney World, much more private label pipes, or basket pipes, or board pipes as we would call them. Now, here's what would happen though. Uh, Disneyland and Walt Disney World had two separate buying groups, and those buyers were allowed a certain amount of flexibility of who they would deal with. Uh, In the Disneyland pipes, I own two, and I've seen two others that are 100% absolutely guaranteed to be made in the Sheraton factory because they are the Sheraton International Selections, and I'm pretty sure that that was prior to Sheraton moving into the Dunhill group because the shapes are so distinctively Sheraton that it's not even funny. Now, the way I started to identify these pipes was you have to look at the catalogs of these old pipe brands and start to realize how they do their stamping. So pipefill.eu, Chris's Pipe Pages, great help. Pipepedia, also a wonderful resource for doing research on. Uh, so once I was familiar with how they, how each one of these companies stamped their pipes and did their made in London, England, or made in England, or where they did their made in logos, that made it easier to narrow down what was what. Now we switch over to the Walt Disney World store, and that store opened in 1971, 
at that point, what I'm pretty sure they did, and I talked to uh, Michael Adler, the owner of Cadogan, who at that point was doing uh, Kamoys and GBD and a couple other pipes, and he said that yeah, what would happen is, is the buyers, the the buyer for Walt Disney World would send out these bid requests for X amount of pipes, and the example that he gave would be ten gross, so. Uh, so 120 dozen assorted pipes, and they'd give some specifications of smooth and bent and this, that, and the other, because they got a little sophisticated. And in his situation, he'd send back a bid. Now, if they won the bid, Disney World would tell them to stamp it with the Walt Disney World logo. They'd send the stamp and request the stamp back with the shipment of the pipes. Uh, so those are the GBD and Kamoi shapes that I, it's fairly easy to identify those shapes because those catalogs are still available. Uh, one of my favorite pipes is a black sandblasted pipe that was made in the Parker factory. And it was during the time when the Parker factory was, or when Parkers were being made side by side with Dunhills and they used three round dots to create a Mickey logo. Uh, similar in technique to how Kamoy's did it, but what they did was they drilled two small dots for his ears and then went back and over-drilled those two small dots to put one larger dot in, and it's actual drilled white dots that create the Mickey head. Uh, that Parker pipe was a bit of an excitement in the 2006 Chicago Pipe Show because that was the first time Mike Reschke, who collected Parker pipes uh, and is probably the leading expert on Parker production, he saw that and immediately identified it as a Parker factory shape. Uh, some of the other pipes in the collection that are interesting to me in particular are the uh, the Rop cherry woods yes they are from the french factory that used cherry wood and again disney would send those out i got one from ollie sylvester and he gave it to me in the original sleeve and box that it came in what i think is funny about it in particular is that the box says aged imported briar and then a walt disney world sticker on it so it's a generic pipe box that walt disney world was buying and they just put the Walt Disney World sticker on it to make you feel like you were getting a Walt Disney World box. Uh, they did a lot of Meerschaum-lined pipes. Uh, lots and lots of Meerschaum-lined pipes. Most of those probably came out of France, but a lot of them are unmarked. Uh, Italy started to pick up some. And again, these are generic basket pipes, so my guess is they were probably buying it from an importer here in the U.S., and the importer was doing the stamping for them. Uh, Algerian briar pipes. Keep in mind, FGT Enterprises or Edwards Tobacco Edwards Tobacco Shops were, ba were based in Florida. Edwards Algerian briars were 45 minutes away from the Walt Disney World uh, the Walt Disney World Resort. So why wouldn't they buy from a local place? Um, if you want to, you know, take a, take a look around. I've tried to classify them in different groups in there, and there's a whole bunch of discussion that can go on. But some people get bored with it, so we'll just move along real quickly here. Uh, the one thing that I will say, yes, I do actually smoke four or five of them. 
a couple of the Sheratons, the Parker I smoke, and then I cleaned up a couple others. And hey, listen, anytime I want to get a new pipe for my smoking rotation, I can go into the collection, find a shape that excites me, clean it up, and bring it out there. All right. Any questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them right onto the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. And in just a minute, Neil Strong will be on the phone with me. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco. Founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes. Or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit Sutliff-Tobacco.com. For information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures. Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, a pipe smoker and collector of a unique pipe-related item, I guess I want to say, but please welcome Neil Strong to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, so I first I first found out about you in the winter issue of Pipes and Tobacco's magazine, where there's a a, a, a wonderful article on your collection of pipe smoking Santa Claus figurines. But before we get into that, let's talk about when did when did you start smoking a pipe? Uh, actually, uh, probably uh, when I was about. Uh... Fifteen or sixteen, I bought my first pipe. Uh, of course, these were in the days when uh, teenagers started smoking quite early, so I was about, uh, uh, what, the mid to late 50s, and I bought a uh, uh, one of those kit deals, uh, a little pipe and a pack of tobacco and so on. It was a Willard pipe, if uh, any of the people out there remember the Willard, and Carter Hall Tobacco. Uh, I remember, in fact, I still have the pipe uh, somewhere downstairs there, and uh, so that was my first pipe I bought. I wasn't really a, a pipe-only smoker for a number of years. Now, did anybody show you how to smoke the pipe properly, or did it come with instructions? Any, uh, any no, guide? I more or less just uh, just learned how. Uh, 
uh, there was, wasn't much literature out at that time on, on pipes and so on. Now, my dad had a, uh, a few uh, pipes uh, that he had smoked probably, oh, I'm going to say in the 40s or so, uh, uh, K. Woodies and so on, but he wasn't really a true pipe smoker, never was. He was more a cigarette smoker. And uh, so I did later acquire those pipes as well, but uh, it was just more or less uh, uh, learn how to do it on, on your own. Uh, <laughs> Trial by fire. There you go. That's pretty good, yes. Uh, when did you really get into pipe smoking? Uh, probably, I'm going to say in the mid to late 60s. Uh, as mentioned in the article, I lived in a, uh, Washington Courthouse, Ohio, which was just south of Columbus. And, of course, Columbus held the uh, uh, Smoker's Haven uh, shop downtown and uh, was unbelievable. Uh, you can't imagine with today's shops uh, what it was like to go to Smoker's Haven with the literally thousands of pipes on the shelf. And, and they also put out a, I think it was quarterly, flyer with all the new shapes. Uh, GBDs at that time uh, had a line of special shapes that were still a standard shape, like... Uh, uh, say a billiard with a square shank and uh, different things like that. And each one of them usually came in uh, different sizes. I think they called the standard size a uh, conquest and then the uh, extra large size in the same shape, uh, collector and so on. So uh, this flyer would come out and of course you'd get that flyer and drool over it and, and then maybe get to go to Columbus and actually see the pipes and uh, it was it was quite uh, alluring actually with all the shapes. They didn't really have too much in the free hands. Like I say, they were standard shapes but they were non-standard if you catch what I'm talking about there. When you went into the store, was the store, I mean, were all the pipes out on display or did you have to ask for something specific to um, see? No, there were just walls and walls of pipes and display cases and uh, all the different finishes. Uh, literally, like I say, thousands of pipes to, to peruse over and look at. And, and uh, the help was, uh, they were, of course, all pipe smokers, ardent pipe smokers, and very, very helpful. And uh, you could kind of see uh, uh, some of the new shapes in action, so to speak, because they were all smoking in the shops. They would have four or five, uh, at least, uh, clerks uh, around, and and after a while, of course, you got to know them by their first name, all of them, and uh, it was it was an experience. It really was. Did they have a big selection of tobaccos as well? Absolutely, their own uh, brand names and so on. Uh, I can't really remember too many of them offhand, but I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there will remember. In fact, I think some of them may be. Uh, uh, still made probably by different uh, companies, but uh, I know the present owners there in Columbus have tried to keep up sort of the image of the uh, Smoker's Haven of the 50s and 60s and still have some of those blends available. Wow. And of course they also had cigars and other stuff, but... Oh yeah, yeah. But the pipes were really their main thing. Absolutely. It wasn't... uh, wasn't a gift shop at all. There was a few accessories, but uh, uh, 
you know, ashtrays, lighters, this and that, but it was it was pipes uh, right down the pike, yeah. Now, you became a, a, a huge fan and collector of Savinelli. How did that get started? Well, actually, uh, I, I got involved with a shop in the area here, sort of a partnership with a fellow, and uh, I would uh, kind of beat the bushes for estate pipes, which we would then sell in the uh, shop. And I ran across a collection up in Dayton, Ohio, one night. I think I... I I got onto it just through a uh, uh, want ad in the newspaper, and uh, in that collection were, uh, I believe it was three, no, four Savinelli's, uh, two of the uh, non-pareils and two uh, uh, autographs, early autographs. And I bought the collection and uh, ended up uh, keeping the Savinelli's. I, I still have those four pipes in my collection. This was probably, oh gosh lose track of time mid-70s or so but uh, those four pipes uh, they just sort of grabbed me uh, hey this this is what I like and uh, prior to that of course it was GBDs and uh, a few Ben Wades and etc but uh, the 7 LA bug just just bit me I don't know what it was about them uh, standard shapes autographs all of them just uh, just became my my passion and do you do you have Savinelli's in all different sizes? Because some of the autographs get awfully big. I really prefer a very large pipe, uh, but I do. I have uh, uh, your standard shapes in the uh, other than king size, other than EX. If you're familiar, uh, Savinelli will have say a 104, and then they'll have a 111. KS and a 111EX, which are basically the same shape, only in graduated sizes. And so I, I collect all of them, but I really prefer the large, larger pipes in the standards and in the autographs. In fact, some of my favorites are a little-known uh, line of pipes uh, called the non-pareil, but they're not the non-pareil of the day with the horn mounting and so on. They were sort of the predecessor of the autograph, and they are extremely large. Uh, uh, bowl uh, or overall lengths, uh, I've got one I think is close to nine inches, maybe a little over with, with gigantic bowls. And th- those are my favorite, or the great big ones. In a standard, I, I smoke almost exclusively the EX shapes, which are the largest of the standard English shaped pipes that Savinelli puts out. Now, back in the 70s and in the 80s, would you take these pipes out uh, out to work with you for the day and carry a large pipe like that? Uh, I did, but I didn't uh, uh, smoke them that much in public. So on, there was a little bit of a, uh, uh, not embarrassing, what do I want to say, a self-consciousness. Uh, pipe smokers uh, with great big pipes like that were sort of stood out and and I didn't just you know walk down to the mall or something with with one that big Uh, uh, I always had a little problem with self-consciousness on things like that and so uh, I can't say that I really smoked them that much out in public although occasionally I would it was more a a home style thing and at that time I was still smoking cigarettes and uh, so most of my uh, public smoking was uh, like everyone else with a cigarette. <laughs> and then you'd get home for the day and light up a pipe. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, 
in your uh, in your pipe smoking travels, did your taste change on tobaccos, or have you you've always enjoyed aromatics? I pretty much have always enjoyed aromatics. Uh, I, I light English occasionally, uh, uh, but mainly I think the uh, thing that's kept me with the aromatics is uh, for the people around me. Uh, of course, as you know, some of the English can get a little uh, heady for people who aren't pipe smokers. And I think I've kind of stayed more with the aromatics for that, for the room aroma and so on. Uh, but uh, so I guess, you know, I've, I've branched around. I've tried this and tried that. But I, I guess you'd have to say I've pretty much stuck with the aromatics. And last question on the Savinelli's. Do you use the 6 millimeter filter or do you not use it? Uh, usually not. Uh like anything else, pipes sort of are individual, and uh, of course, many most of my pipes aren't fitted for the uh, filter system, and so I don't have a choice. But the ones that are, some of them smoke better with the filter, and some uh, uh, just seem to me to be better with just the little insert that you know converts it to a normal type uh, stem. So it, it'll depend there. Uh, usually, if I use any filter at all, it's a little triangular-shaped uh, balsa wood, and the pipes that uh, maybe it'll smoke a little, little wetter, and that that sort of absorbs it. Uh, but I have to say that it, for the most part, I stay away from the filters in most cases. And was it also in the 1980s when you started the uh, collection of Santa Clauses? Yeah, I think it along in the late 80s. Yeah, it's. Uh, when I picked up my first couple ones there, and it started there, eighty-eight or so, eighty-nine. I'm, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to remember exactly because the things just sort of grew there. <laughs> so, but I would say it was about that period of time. Yeah, yeah. We'll take a quick break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Santa Claus and his uh, pipe smoking collection of Santa Clauses with pipes. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. This is Internet Radio. 
We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, pipe smoker and Santa collector Neil. Uh, Neil, so the first, uh, did you specifically pick out the first Santas with pipes because they had pipes? Yeah, I would say yes, absolutely. Uh, prior to that, uh, I had always kind of uh, looked for Christmas cards with pipes to uh, send to friends and uh, uh, fellow pipe smokers and so on. So I was always on the lookout, and when I started finding a few uh, uh, really neat little uh, figurines with the pipes, uh, uh, it was because of the pipes specifically. I never really had a collection of uh, Santas without pipes prior to that. It, it pretty much started with the pipe. Now, how big is your collection of pipe-smoking Santas now? almost impossible to count them. We've tried my uh, son-in-law every year. He says, we're going to count these, and, and you just lose track, you know, <laughs> uh, with all the shells and so on. Uh, it's estimated a little over 600. Are they all porcelain or ceramic, or are they made of different materials? A different material. Uh, the material really is uh, not relevant at all. It's it's the fact of a, a, the figure itself, if it catches my eye, and, and if it has a pipe. But uh, I have them uh, porcelain, wood. Of course, the modern ones are the uh, uh, acrylic-type stuff, uh, uh, molded, cast, resin, and so on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the material uh, really doesn't matter. It's, it's the pipe itself. I even, uh, you know, kind of expanded into a few uh, uh, plates and uh, collectible plates. Uh, I have a bowl that uh, a set came out a few years back. So material is, is irrelevant, really. Now, I know you find you find most of them at uh, at flea markets or second hand. Uh, do you have right. any idea of what the oldest one might be? You know, I really don't. Uh, I would say a couple of them might go back into the 50s, but uh, uh, that's just kind of a guess from the style and so on. Uh, probably the majority are more uh, more recent than that. Actually, if you look at the uh, books on uh, Christmas decorations and ornaments and so on, uh, the pipe was not a really big... Uh, uh, thing in the 30s, 40s, 50s era Christmas decorations. What I've been able to see, occasionally you'd have, especially a snowman with a pipe. Uh, it seemed to be uh, real popular in uh, uh, children's books, uh, the Santa, the night before Christmas, and so on with a pipe. But in ornaments themselves, uh, there really weren't as many as uh, there were through the period of the, oh, I'm going to say the 80s and 90s where I think most of mine pretty much came from that period. Now well, today, it's swinging back the other way because of the anti-smoking, and yeah. you see less and less of modern uh, uh, ornaments and uh, figurines and so on uh, with the pipe. In fact, I have seen uh, several uh, reproductions, well, not, I wouldn't call it reproductions maybe, but remakes of figures that I have that had a pipe 
and the newer ones I've seen in stores, the same figure and so on, but the pipe has been removed or replaced with a bell or a, a toy or something else in Santa's hand. Uh, so they're reusing the molds but modifying them to do away with the pipes uh, to uh, uh, accommodate the anti-smoking people and so on. What's the uh, what's the biggest one you have and what's the smallest one? Uh, the biggest, uh, I think, probably, well, I'm sure, is a blow mold type like you would have out in your yard with the light inside. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably, what, uh, three and a half foot tall or so. Uh, the biggest as far as uh, in the house, I, I have a, a cast resin Santa uh, with a uh, uh, snow base like and so on. It's about, about two foot tall. Uh, the smallest, uh, I've got several little ones uh, there around my snow village with pipes that are, uh, oh, I've, there's one I'm looking at. It's probably about an inch tall or so with a tiny little pipe in his mouth. How long does it take you to set them all up for the holidays? Uh, well, the shelving and so on is, uh, I, I designed to build it uh collapsible so it takes uh, at least a day just to put the shelving together mounted on the walls and the windows and so on and then I would say uh, normally about uh, another week to unpack and uh, arrange all the Santas and so on so about uh, six to eight days uh, this year is taking a little longer uh, uh, old dad here is uh, not moving quite as quick. Uh, a couple of my grandsons came over and helped me with the assembly of the shelving this year, thank goodness, because that can be uh, uh, pretty exerting. Uh, so I'd say about a week, roughly, to put them all up and uh, unpack them. As I said uh, earlier, uh, almost each one has its own individual box, so it's a matter of uh, uh, toting them up from the basement, unpacking them, and then, of course, you got to get those boxes rearranged back in the... Uh, uh, shelving I have in the basement, uh, and it's sort of like a Jenga puzzle to, uh, <laughs> to get them all back in the way they were and to utilize all this, the uh, cubic footage there. Uh, it's, it's a job, but uh, as I said, uh, as I open the boxes and take out one, it's, it's like Christmas morning for me. It's, you know, oh yeah, rediscovering one here. I remember this one, I remember that one. So it's it's a lot of time, but it's a lot of pleasure as well. Have you bought one during the year and then realized when you've unpacked and getting ready for the holiday that you have one just like it? I have not. Uh, I have received some as gifts from friends and uh, uh, relatives and so on that uh, I, I had, but I pretty much remember each one. Uh, so... Uh, uh, I have to always kind of fib or uh, pretend like, oh, wow, this is great. It'll fit my collection when someone gives me one I already have. But uh, I really haven't had the problem of uh, duplicating uh, myself. Now, you've got over 600 Santas. Do you know how many pipes you own? Uh, probably about the same number, around, around 600, maybe uh, closer to 700. Uh, I have... Uh, over a hundred autographs. A hundred uh, Savinelli autographs. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, most of them, uh, the uh, fours and fives and sixes. But I have a couple of triple zeros, a couple of zeros or double zeros, and a 
couple of the zeros, but most of them are in the four, five, and six grade. And with those, the lower the number and the more zeros, the better the grain and the more expensive they are. Actually, that's true. Uh, from what I've been able to find uh, out about the autograph grading system, originally a four was $40, and a five was 50 so on. Um, but uh, this, of course, <laughs> sort of uh, went away with inflation and so on. But, uh, yeah, that's true. The number threes, which you see uh, quite a bit of now, I never saw one of those earlier. And I, as far as I know, I don't think anything lower than a four was made originally. But you see a lot of number threes now. They're small and usually sort of uh, uninteresting. But, uh, yeah, originally that number did indicate the, uh, the price. Now, the first autographs uh, had no number at all. In fact, the first autograph—I'm sorry—the first autographs had no autograph stamp on it at all, but they still had that numbering system. So you would have a type marked seven uh, LA and a four, and then later that same uh, pipe would be marked seven LA autographed and a four. But originally, uh, the uh, autographs just simply said seven LA with the grade number on it. So I've never met your wife, but I think I love her already because you've got a huge collection of pipes, and she, and she's, and she's let you collect all these Santa Clauses too. Yeah, she's pretty special, I tell you, to put up with my idiosyncrasies. Uh, uh, I, I when I get into something, I I just go crazy on it. That's the reason I stayed away from golf. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see how I would. Uh, go absolutely nuts on golf so but my wife has put up with a lot of uh, crazy shenanigans over the years now when you when it's time to pack up the santas for the year do you leave a few out all year long or do they all get packed up they all get packed up yeah i, I pack them all away pretty much and that that's probably not a one-day process either oh it's uh it's just a reversal, and it takes about the same amount of time. If, if not, maybe a little longer because it's a lot uh, more time-consuming to pack something than it is to unpack it, as you know, with the paper and the uh, cardboard dividers and so on. So, it's yeah, it's a easily a week project to put them away and tear down the uh, uh, shelving and so on. Do you know, do you have any of the Santas that have come from other countries? Uh, well, of course. They're all made usually in other countries as far as uh, made in China, made in Japan, and so on, or that kind of a thing. Uh, I'm not too much into, uh, like, the uh, the German-imported uh, uh, smokers and those things. They don't really grab me too much. Uh, I do have a couple of them that, that people have uh, uh, purchased for me as gifts and so on, but uh, uh, most of them are made for the American market, although a lot of them were made outside the country, if you know what I'm saying. You know, it's a, can't, you can't buy hardly anything decorative-wise anymore that seems to be made in the United States except for, uh, uh, you know, exclusive uh, certain artists and that sort of thing. But, uh, and I would imagine on Christmas Eve those guys all get busy and they uh, disappear for the night to go deliver gifts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the room's empty on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah. They all seem to just 
glide out the keyhole or something or up the chimney. <laughs> I would like for you, since you since you're such a so well versed in Savinelli's, uh, if are there any other lines of the Savinelli's that you can recommend to listeners to keep an eye out for that? Yeah, obviously the autographs are special and we know about those, but are there any other favorite lines for you? Well, I have a favorite line uh, that really to me is more special than the autograph. Uh, and it's a little known line. Uh, the original uh, idea for Savinelli and their free hands when they decided in the early 60s to get into that uh they used the name Nonpareil, which today they use on their fairly standard size, uh, standard shape uh, horn-mounted pipes. But these were uh, marked as a Nonpareil. Uh, most of them had a uh, Capri finish, which is another uh, a line of pipes, sort of a pebbly carved finish. A lot of your listeners will recognize what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, and also they had uh, markings on the uh, mouthpiece of a single uh, gold dot. Well, of course, it's brass, but they called it the gold dot. Now, these preceded the autographs for about two or three years in the uh, early 60s, from what I've been able to uh, find out. And then they graduated into the autographs, as I talked about earlier, which were not marked autograph. They simply said uh, Savinelli with the uh, grade number on it. And then the autograph name uh, uh, started being tagged to it. And I think that was because of the AS on the stem. And people just started referring to it as an autograph. And Savinelli kind of decided, hey, that's that's a good name for it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my special... Uh, thing there is for these very large uh, non-pareils and then and i have in, uh, in, acquired a few pieces i think i've got 12 or 13 of them yeah didn't they also use the the gold dot on their uh on their coral finish or they and then they moved on to a handmade yeah. series where they used it yeah the gold dot uh, was used on the uh, uh corallo if i'm pronouncing it right uh, which was uh Pretty much, again, the Capri carved finish, but it was left natural. Uh, no stains, no varnishes or anything, and it would actually color somewhat like a meerschaum as it was smoked. And they were uh, under the non, or I'm sorry, under the Puto Oro name, which okay. means gold dot, of course, in Italian. Uh, but uh, uh, so the gold dot was used on the Puto Oro the Corallo, which again was just marked for the Duaro. It didn't actually say Corallo on the pipe. And uh, and these non-Pareils. And it may have been used on some other things, but I don't believe so. Do you have a Santa Claus that's smoking a Savinelli pipe? Well, I've got uh, some that it looks to me like a Savinelli, but uh, <laughs> well, you're I can't the... really... Uh, can't really see if it's uh, stamped Savinelli or not. They get kind of small down there. You're you're the expert, so it must be true. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I have to say that. <laughs> we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No wrong answer, no right answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? All right. The first one's going to be hard for you, but what is your favorite pipe? Oh, that's uh, that is tough, but I'd have to say the Savinelli. 
And what's your favorite tobacco? Uh, right now, I'm sort of in the quandary uh, uh, on that. Uh, I always, uh, for several years, had smoked the uh, Admiral's Choice from CVS. But we all know what happened with CVS. If you watch any TV at all, they'll tell you boldly and proudly that they've quit selling tobacco products. So I'm, I'm bouncing around a little bit. I, I know there is a... Uh, company out there that is carrying the uh, Admiral's Choice uh, mail order, but I'm trying to find something uh, uh, locally where I can avoid shipping costs to sort of replace it. So far, I haven't really been satisfied. And what's your favorite drink? Drink? Uh, I'll drink an occasional beer. Uh, I don't care for the, you know, domestic, uh, uh, shall we say, well, a name Miller and so on, but some of the uh, craft beers, and when I say occasional, I'm talking maybe a couple a week at the highest. Uh, I drink a lot of coffee, or not a lot, but I drink uh, coffees. I like a hazelnut coffee, and uh, I like a little Mountain Dew once in a while, not too embarrassed to say. <laughs> a little Yahoo. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? I'd say book. I do watch a lot of TV, but I, I prefer books. I'm a uh, Sherlock Holmes nut, and I love to read all the different uh, pastiches of Sherlock Holmes and, of course, the originals and, and so on. Uh, I read every day, and uh, uh, so I'd, I'd say my favorite pastime is uh, is reading. And they took his pipe away from him, too, now, so... Isn't that awful? Yeah, we mentioned, uh, I think it was in the article, that uh, the British uh, series Sherlock, which uh, is, takes place in modern-day London, and uh, it's very enjoyable, but there was one scene where Sherlock is laid out on the couch and uh, rips up his uh, sleeve to show that he has three uh, uh, nicotine patches on his arm and states that Watson, this could be a three-patch problem. And it just kind of went through me like a <laughs> like a harpoon, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but it's a, they even sort of allude to the fact that, hey, I'd like to smoke, but in, in modern London, it's just not possible to smoke. So uh, it's not that Sherlock is, is for it. He's just having to go along like so many of us uh, with reality of life in modern day. And the last question is, do you have a, a particularly favorite pipe-smoking memory that we haven't talked about yet? Mm. Pipe-smoking memory. Guys, there's so many. Uh, I, I can't really narrow it down to one. Uh, I do have certain pipes that, crazy enough, whenever I'll pick them up, I will remember an occasion that I smoked that pipe that really isn't that big a deal or anything, but it just, for some reason, that occasion ties itself to that pipe. There, there's one uh, autographed bamboo shank in particular that every time I pick it up, I think of a little antique store over in uh, uh, Wilmington, Ohio, that I was in that day and I was smoking that pipe. Now, why, you know, tell me why. I don't know. Wasn't anything happened in that antique store? I didn't find anything special or see anything, but uh, it just uh, sometimes those memories just latch themselves to those items, and uh, 
I think of the, that every time I pick that pipe up. And there's some other stories like that. I think that's the They're best answer to that question that I've ever had. Oh, wow, good. Do I get a bonus on that? <laughs> uh, no, you get to have a wonderful wife that allows you to collect all these wonderful Santa Clauses and pipes. <laughs> well, I have to take that. There's no doubt about that. And we've uh, celebrated our uh, 52nd wedding anniversary. Wow. And uh, going for fifty three here. Well, when you hit buttered right along. When, when you hit seventy five, we'll throw a big party for you. Yeah, can you believe it when you see that on the news or in the paper? Living with somebody for seventy five <laughs> years—it's just amazing, just amazing. Neil, thank you very much. We've posted some pictures that you sent us of some more of your Santas on the okay. uh, on the website for people to come and look at so please check out the show page and right. merry christmas to you and your family same to you i really appreciate uh, this opportunity to kind of spread my uh, uh collection out to people it's uh, uh means so much to me and has a few people enjoy it uh uh, really, really is a plus. I know this article they did in Pipes and Tobacco was quite a thrill for myself and my entire family. And uh, it's nice to get recognition, even though it's kind of a, a minor accomplishment. Uh, it, it does mean a lot to me. It's keeping a part of history alive for us, and we appreciate it. All right, all right. We'll be back with the show in just a minute. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sutliff Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malto Dolce blend in public. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. And, you know, I guess I really I really love passionate collectors, people that collect all kinds of stuff, whether it's, uh, hey, my own Disney pipes or I mean, over 600 pipe-smoking Santa Clauses. Uh, just, a, just a cool collection. 
do make sure and go to the website on the Pipes Magazine radio show and check out all the pictures that Neil sent us. If you have questions for Neil, his email address is Neil R, the letter R, Neil R Strong at AOL.com. And now to keep the Christmas theme going, uh, a couple weeks ago I stumbled across a wonderful uh, pipe smoking poem for the holidays posted on Pipes Magazine, and it was written by pipesmagazine.com uh, forum member Toby Ducote. So I got Toby on the phone with us. Toby, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. So as a special treat, I reached out to you because you wrote the poem, so who better to read it? So instead of music for right now, if you wouldn't mind, would you be so kind as to read us your, uh, your uh, I don't know what, give us the title and then read us the poem. All right, sounds great. Well, it's titled, Twas the Night After Christmas. Here we go. Twas the night after Christmas and all through the land. All the creatures were sleeping, and Santa was resting with a pipe in his hand. He relaxed in his big leather chair for his first bowl of the night and gazed at how the pipes on his rack stood out like the stars shining bright. As Santa opened his pouch and began to load up his pipe, he thought back to the activities of that most glorious night. The children were dreaming about the presents they had received, and parents were relaxing with cocktails and feeling relieved. Mrs. Claus baked pies filled with ripe blueberries as Santa's pipe filled the room with the aroma of honey and cherries. The elves were back in the shop making toys for all the good little girls and boys. As they hummed tunes of the season, it filled your heart with joy. As the North Star sparkled in the sky so bright, the glow of Santa's pipe shone in the dark like Rudolph's nose shining its amber light. Santa's bag was now empty and the reindeer were resting as he kicked off his boots and said a holiday blessing. It was so long ago that a baby was born in a stable in Bethlehem that continues to bring joy and salvation to all of the land. As Santa reached for a match to relight his pipe, he smiled at the thought of the true meaning of Christmas night. He nodded his head and gave a salute with his pipe, and Santa proclaimed once more, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. You are now receiving a heartfelt standing ovation from me and a whole bunch of people, because that's just wonderful. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. And then to... Uh, Further uh, tempt everybody, uh, you are the head organizer of the upcoming first annual New Orleans Pipe Show. So if you could quickly give us some uh, updates, tidbits on it, and the dates and where we can go to get more information. That is correct. And Brian, we are so excited about this event. So it's going to start off on October 2nd. That's Friday, October 2nd, 2015 with a fantastic tour down to the Parique factory in St. James Parish, which is about an hour outside of New Orleans. Mark Ryan was incredibly gracious to help me set this up. We're going to take a bus from downtown New Orleans. We'll go out. We'll have a great tour. He's going to talk about the history of Parique, 
about the factory itself, the condition it was in when he purchased it and what he's done. And then we've got an exciting afternoon there planned where we're going to have all kinds of tobaccos. We're going to actually get to taste Parique, straight Virginia, and then Mark is going to lead everybody through some mixing and let everybody make their own little samples and leave that afternoon and head back to New Orleans for a great afternoon. And then the show kicks off on Saturday, October 3rd. We were very, very fortunate in that Harrah's Casino that is located right in downtown New Orleans has partnered with us, and they are giving us the run of the floor inside the casino. We will have 85 vendor tables available. We can smoke in the facility. We've got hotel rooms right there at the casino, and there are a number of hotels located right around the casino, less than two minutes walking distance. So we're really excited about the event. There's lots of things that will be coming down as far as pre- and post-show activities also uh, for for the upcoming event. The website to register and get all the information is www.nolapipeshow.com. It should be active by January 1st. Our good friends from the Forum Pylorns has been incredible in designing this and partnering with me to get all of this set up. And so uh, we're hoping to launch it right before the Christmas holidays. So come January 1st, people can go to the website, get all the information that they need. We've got everything posted there as far as hotel rooms, the discount rates, and different activities around the city. And what's really wonderful, Brian, is that Harris Casino, in its location, is at the foot of Canal Street in the heart of New Orleans. You're five minutes from the French Quarter walking distance. You're close to the World War II Museum and just some of the best restaurants in the world. So once you get there, you can park your car and you don't have to think about it. You can walk every place you need to be. You're even a 10-minute trolley ride from the Garden District, which if you haven't gone down to New Orleans, it is an incredible walking city with just history on every street corner. And I will say that I think you have to, you really have to search hard, far, and wide to find a bad meal. Uh, you're absolutely right. That's the one thing we, we in New Orleans are known for is our food. And We've got a lot of good places around. That's one of the reasons also that we're not going to be doing any kind of banquets or anything because who wants to come to New Orleans and eat eat hotel food when you've got all these fantastic restaurants? So we're going to leave that Saturday night free for people to go out, enjoy the French Quarter, find a great restaurant to have dinner at, and smoke their pipes. Toby, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for a wonderful poem, and uh, we'll see you in New Orleans for sure. That look, I'm looking forward to it, Brian. That sounds great. Thank you so much. And a Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, too. You've got some mail. All right, before we jump into the mailbag, don't forget uh, special Christmas truce 1914 at the end of the show, so stick around for that. Uh, going back to Chuck Stanion two weeks ago, John Seiler writes, Hi, Brian. Glad you had a good time in Texas. Did you get your Texas boots? No, I already had them. Uh, John says, I've known Chuck for many years, beginning in the late 1990s on, uh, hashtag pipes, IRC chat channel. That was when we chatted using a green screen and a keyboard. He fell into a great job with PNT. I was glad to see him at the core this year. 
I think I agree with Mark Twain regarding the anti-smoker statistics. Chuck's collection of pipe tampers is outstanding. I was glad to see it at one of the shows. Uh, interesting Twisted Sister and have yourself a merry little Christmas. I haven't heard that one on our local FM continuous X uh, Christmas music channel this year. I wonder why. Uh, rant refusing to hire smokers is to me unconstitutional. The 30% premium for health insurance is just a peak at our future. I don't plan to visit Pima County, Arizona in the future. Good show. Yeah, just a reminder to everybody, please email me with... Uh, uh, companies or uh, municipalities that are refusing to hire smokers, and we'll start blasting them out there. Uh, again, on the Chuck Stanion show, Riff Raff says, Brian, as always, the pipe part segment was very informative. I'm eager to know, I'm eager to hear how your blending turned out. Chuck seems to be very, a very interesting guy. I wouldn't mind hearing an entire episode on his dissertation on Mark Twain. Very interesting stuff. I think a subscription to Pipes and Tobacco's magazine is now on the Christmas list. After every episode, that list keeps getting longer. <laughs> and in two days, the list will be over. Uh, Riff Raff says, I love the music selection. It was great when they switched into Twisted Sister mode. I dig your eclectic music taste. As a former resident of Arizona, it doesn't surprise me what Pima County is trying to do. It seems that the anti-smoking influence from California is migrating east. Uh, we, uh, we call that Californication. Uh, and then he says, how's that not discrimination? I can't see how that is legal. Great show yet again. And last one from that one, I believe, uh, from that episode, I believe, uh, Casey Ghost writes another fine show. Bulk tobaccos aren't my thing. As a smoking tobacco, they don't seem to have the intensity of flavor that tin tobaccos do. And they do not age as well. Uh, I'd be interested in everybody else's thoughts on the differences between tin and bulk tobacco and your experience with them. So if you've got anything to contribute, post it on the show. Uh, he goes on to say, The thought of me blending tobaccos should send tremors of fear through the entire pipe community. Uh, Chuck Stanion is just one of the jewels of the pipe hobby. He has one of the toughest jobs in the business trying to sell a print publication in an online world. His support of the KC Pipe Carving Contest has been both substantial and appreciated. Every person who considers themselves a real pipe smoker should have a subscription to Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. Concerning the music selection, I guess the less said the better, but gosh, that was awful. Why would you select a Christmas carol to be sung by someone who can't sing? The next note he hits will be the first one. And there is one dissenter for the Twisted Sister Christmas music. Um, let's jump ahead. This week's show. Uh, last week's show. Mother Nature Will Eat Us All for Breakfast. Uh, was not thrilled about more Disney stuff, but I hope he is now after, uh, or after seeing all the different stuff that we've done. Uh, goes on to say, by the way, the sound quality of the show is spot on now that Brian has moved into his basement. The transitions between segments and commercials is at equal levels and the quality of the sound is crisp and rich. Nice job. Thank you very much. Uh, Rev Pipe wrote, enjoyed the history of Disney, history of pipes at Disney, all new to me. Looking forward to part two. I know that downtown Disney is not technically inside the park, but there are two fine cigar shops there, both owned by the Sosa family. 
No pipes, as I recall, but great cigars and the ability to smoke indoors. You can even bring in an adult beverage from across the street at Bongo's. You are correct, and uh, you can also sit outside on a bench outside of Bongo's and smoke. Uh, Ed Green writes, I was just listening to Sun Ra's tribute to Walt Disney, and I thought of you. Surprise. I still listen to and enjoy each show, though I haven't let you know in a while how great they really are. You seem to know what we would want to hear from each guest, whether it's Mark Twain, Tales, or running a magazine. I haven't been able to make it to one of the New Orleans pipe uh, pipe show meetings, but I hope I can make it to the New Orleans pipe show and our paths cross. By the way, I don't remember hearing any classical composer. Don't remember hearing any of classical composer Ernest. Ernest Block's music on your show. Check him out. Big time pipe smoker and interesting character. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas. I will uh, definitely check out Mr. Block. And finally, from last week, we have John Seiler says, You have a very interesting collection of the Disney-related tobacchiana. One piece is thanks to John. Uh, From hearing you talk about it, your great interest shines through. Butch Armstrong is a new pipe person to me. His road to pipes was very similar to many of our own. Like you said, music, poetry, pipes, etc. A real renaissance man. Stevie Ray Vaughan, about time he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ha, couldn't stand the weather. I guessed it before you announced it. Great choice. Now, Rock and Hanukkah is not one is uh, not one I've not heard before. I will have to pass it on to my old college roommate, Sam. Rant rave, college graduations with a Disney hat is a great idea. Somber graduations is, as you said, is for him. His choice of hat is his business and no one else's great show. Happy Hanukkah. And Casey Ghost wrote, finally... Brian, very sad news about Paolo Becker. He was truly one of the giants of the hobby. Sadly, most people at Pipes Magazine don't have a clue as to who he was. The Disney discussion was just tremendous. It was so good, I even broke down and went to your Disney page and reviewed that. May not sound like much, but I loathe Facebook. Just a wonderful set of photos. Shame Walt preferred cigarettes. Probably cost him 10 years. I can recall watching the Disney show in the 1950s. Yes, I saw Davy Crockett's original airings. Uh, original airing. Uh, never heard of Butch Armstrong, which is okay because he's never heard of me. <laughs> uh, nice enough interview considering that. Uh, people at Ice Fish are just daft. Okay, if it gives you a shot at Ann Margaret, then maybe. Uh, for a Christmas song, I'd like to hear Chuck Berry's Run Run Rudolph. If you're going to pick Run Run uh, R&R, Hoffer, why not go top drawer? There you go. Uh, somewhat disagree with the rant. Certainly don't agree about the individual who lost their mind over the Disney. Really disagree with you about the graduation, about who the graduation is for. Graduation is for the parents and the institution. If you left it to the graduates, 90% of them wouldn't even show up for the ceremony. And those that do are usually wearing jeans under their robe. Nope, graduation is for the parents to take pride in their child, completing their degree work without extensive incarceration, and for the institution to preen about how good they are. If you want to do something positive for yourself, 
at your child's graduation, just wait until the ceremony is over, hand them one end of a string, and pull out some scissors and cut the string. <laughs> I always love the other uh, the other point of view from Dan. All right, in just a minute, we'll end this uh, Christmas holiday episode on a uh, celebratory note and a wish for everybody. This is Internet Radio. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeerschaumStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeerschaumStore.com, the most trusted Meerschaum store for 50 years. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com Normally at this point in the show you'd hear the intro for the rant music but this is Christmas and 100 years ago it was December 1914 on the Western Front in Europe and the Christmas truce of December 1914 took place. What I'm about to play for you is the audio portion of a video that the History Channel posted on the Christmas truce between the German and British Army, so please take a listen. As night falls on Christmas Eve, Allied soldiers are surprised by what they are hearing over from the German trenches. Private Frank Sumter is one of the first to recognize what they are singing. And then we heard the Germans singing Silent Night, Holy Night. Our boy said, let's join in. So we joined in with the song. The British sentries don't know what to make of what's happening across the narrow no-man's land. Private Leslie Walkington was there. So then we began to pop our heads over the side and jump down quickly in case they shot, but they didn't shoot. And then... We saw a German standing up, waving his arms, and we didn't shoot. When they met on Christmas truce, first they were afraid of each other, and then they uh, started to talk and shaking hands. And once they did that, uh, it just seemed to be friends. The British khaki and the German grey are soon gathering, all mingled together. By Christmas 1914, every soldier knew that the enemy was sharing the same misery as they were. Both sides are well aware that consorting with the enemy is only one step away from treason. 
a crime punishable by court-martial and execution. Men on both sides go to sleep that night, wondering if they will wake up the next morning to renewed fighting or a continued effort to defy the war. The fear of punishment is enough to get most of the soldiers back to fighting. How amazingly difficult it must have been for these people to pick up shooting again um, and with any kind of vigor try and kill people in the opposite trench that they just celebrated Christmas with. Private Archibald Stanley remembers how his officer put an end to their armistice. Well, if you're knocking around, this fella come up the next day, he said, you still got the armistice. Picked up himself and he shot one of the Germans dead. There were rumors of a uh, soccer match that broke out between the two sides. Exchanges of tobacco and drinks were had with each other. An armistice in the middle of the war to end all wars. In this time in our world, I would like all of us to uh, be able to keep the spirit of the Christmas truce throughout the year. Uh, From all of us at the Pipes Magazine radio show, which is myself and Kevin, we wish you all a warm, safe, happy, and smoke-filled holidays. The best of a new year. Thank you all for being part of our family. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy Merry Christmas! Oh, well, that's a wonderful attitude to have on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas.